welcome to episode 219 of Effect, Building Worlds. I'm Dave. And I'm Matthew. And we have got a lot to talk about today. We've got loads of Free League news. We've got our report from Comic-Con. And we've got, frankly, an interview with one of the most amazing women in gaming I've ever <laughs> had the pleasure of talking to. So I, I, was, I was sniggering absolutely not at that because she is absolutely fabulous. But at the, you're saying we've got our report from Comic-Con. So I mean, our report from Comic-Con, I'd just like to say a minute before we started recording, I went, yeah, we ought to mention Comic-Con. And you went, oh, yeah, OK. <laughs> so now we're doing a yeah. report from Comic-Con. It just seems a little bit overblown. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, I, I interrupted well, your introductions. Given what we're reporting on, then maybe it is a bit overblown. But, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build anticipation amongst our listeners here. They may turn off if we haven't got an exciting report from Comic-Con. But you can hear about all the scandal from Comic-Con in a while. <laughs> now, you're, now you're overdoing it, I think. So, first of all, World of Gaming. And some exciting news, particularly for you, Dave. Do you want to do you want to explain what some people are getting through their letterboxes? Yeah. So this week we've seen a few um, posts on social media about people getting their physical copy of the Alien RPG Building Better Worlds book uh, actually in their hands, which is great news. Um, we'd all been kind of led to believe by Free League that it was going to be January, probably before we got them. Um, so I'm. So I haven't got mine yet. I haven't seen any any notifications or anything. Um, <laughs> I haven't got yeah, mine, um, and everybody's getting theirs. I just I'm you just sound a, like a bloody Kickstarter backer, you do. <laughs> and I'm just a little bit, I'm just a little bit wary because we haven't had anything from Free League officially saying mm. yes, it's coming. So I'm, I'm, I'm just being, you know, I don't know if this is like one, one um, container that sort of slip through customs quickly and all the rest is going to still take two months so it might yeah still, you should, I'm, and i'm, I'm, I'm thinking particularly now we've got people's expectations up and i did a post on facebook about oh it's great people are getting it and i suddenly thought oh shit but maybe this is an aberration mm -hmm. and everyone else is gonna to have to wait until january um yeah so, no that's a know. very good point something very similar happened with the third part of um the mercy, mercy of the, of the icons, icons campaign, yeah yeah, and that, so I'm, that turned into something ridiculous. I got my copy, and some people got theirs, and then loads of people waited bloody months yeah. for their copy. So, um, so I'm a bit, yeah, I'm a bit wary. So I was slightly regretting having put up the post on Facebook, sort of celebrating it, um, mm. which is great to celebrate it for those people who have got it, which is great. Um, but I hope, I hope, um, I hope people who, who might take longer for it to arrive. Uh, have you done any detective it? work into where people are getting it? Is it just I, people in America, just no, people in Sweden? I haven't, but some people on, on social media have done that. And I think there's definitely European delivery going ahead. I don't know if there's mm. American, but there's, I think there's definitely... My, I, my, I think some people in the States are getting it. Definitely some people have posted, yes, I'm in, I'm in the EU and I'm getting it. So Right, so we're talking about mainland Europe. So that's an interesting thing in that we know that Games Quest, who will be doing this fulfillment because that's who we work with. Oh, we, that's who we freely work with. Um, 
and they've got two hubs now. You know, they've got one just down the road from where I live, and they've got yeah. one in Germany somewhere, and no idea where. So maybe if that German place is sending them out, but the UK place isn't yet, that may be a thing that might happen. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a quick... It would be lovely, though, to get the fulfilment out this month and then be able to actually be selling it at um, Jagging. That would be great. Yeah, Yeah. that would be very good. Um, Then you better bring your your special gold signing pen for that because um, because then there'd be an opportunity to get it signed by the author. Yeah. Because so, Andrew looking... Gasker's coming as well. <laughs> Easy. No, he isn't. He's not coming to Dragon. No, At least I don't think so. No, very unlikely. Um, so I'll just have a quick look through just our Discord. And there's two people who said that they're getting it, or we've got the notification for it. One of them I know is definitely US. The other one I don't know mm-hmm. where they are. Um, but I've definitely seen some EU ones on Facebook. So it does appear to be arriving in different places which is a good sign but yeah i mean i can't i can't wait to get it in hard copy i mean it's lovely seeing it in pdf but as everyone knows i'm i'm, I'm a big fan of getting the hard copy book um so i can actually leaf through it properly and really enjoy it if a tree didn't die to bring you that book then you're not interested are you that's um that's an unfortunate way of putting it because i am i'm a very big supporter of trees generally uh, <laughs> tree murderer <laughs> as long as it's sustainable that's okay <laughs> so right yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, but yeah talk so yeah take dead, it as though. a pinch of salt then if you if you, yours arrives next week then you heard it here first if it arrives in three months time then we warned you we said <laughs> it, you could expect it yeah yes um, but it's interesting though so um you mentioned the Walking Dead universe. Um, that yep. is also the um, the fulfilment of that is happening now. Although I'm, I don't know of anyone yet. I think has received their hard copy book, but I think everyone is now expecting to get it. The original plan was that people would get it in November, which makes sense. It's November, and the interestingly, uh, the 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 free league advert for Dragon Meat, which they put out obviously without mentioning that we are going to be running it for them, um, was an image of The Walking Dead. Mm. So that kind of implies, I hope, that we are going to be getting Walking Dead books, at the very least to demo, show to people. Um, But if not, possibly we might have a few to sell even. Um, Mm. We do then run into, obviously, the hoping that every backer's got their book before we are found selling them uh, at a convention issue. And we've had that before. Um, most people are fairly relaxed about it, actually, um, but obviously it can put some people's noses out a little bit, which I which I can I can understand that. Um, but anyway, so that implies that the Walking Dead is going to be featuring in what we're going to get for Dragon Meat, mm. which would be great. Right. If we can sell it at Dragon Meat, that'd be brilliant. So I think I had a uh, email notification of the final PDF arriving on my. Um, drive-through uh, inbox as it were i only backed it on pdf because i'm not that interested in it and i haven't even looked at the pdf i have to say not even the beta or or or, or the finished version um what other notification have people actually had like shipping notifications do we understand i don't know i haven't right um i'm just i haven't had um 
So normally I'd get an email uh, notification. Mm. So uh, if anything is coming up on drive through, I haven't had that for either uh, Building Better Worlds or uh, the The Walking Dead. So I'm just having a quick check now, just logging in to see. They've changed totally good. the interface on, on this. It's they have. Worse. What, the, like are you it. looking at drive through? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people say that. Both those I've things. A, they've changed the interface, and B, that it looks worse. Interestingly, last time I logged on, when I bought a thing that we'll be talking about later in the show, um, I was back on the old interface, so I just wonder whether um, okay. they're A-B testing and seeing what people, how people respond to it. Yeah. So, um, no, I've got... No, I have nothing... The latest thing I've got is dragon bone updates yeah okay right nothing there so, nothing to report there yeah. then um nothing nothing to report move along move along nothing to see yeah once uh, again yeah, but, if you get yours next week you heard it here first and if you don't get it till <laughs> the new year then we warned you we warned you <laughs> uh yes uh, but i'm looking forward to getting that so i'm, I'm running a campaign with with my group uh on uh, on wednesday evenings which is which is good fun. It's going quite well so far. Um, a bit of intrigue with a couple of other groups. One that they kind of became friends with in the end, even though it was like a standoff for a while. And then another group, which is perhaps more dangerous, turns up and they they immediately killed them. So that mm-hmm. might not go down so well. But then there's a bit of, then there's a bit of internal trouble. So one of the group, one of the NPCs, is effectively on trial at the beginning of the next scenario. Um, and one of the players wanted to kill him outright there and then, but the others basically put a gun to his head and said, uh, that was Pete. Pete wanted to kill the guy straight away. And um, his his stepdad, Dean's character, put a gun to his head and said, don't do it, son. So he was convinced not to. Uh, but yeah, the beginning of the next scenario will be effectively be the trial of his character and see see how the group deals with his um, his crimes. So yeah, it's good. It's really enjoying it. I think there, there are things. So there are things about it which I mean, digressing slightly here. Um, I think it needs a bit of home brewing to get the whole threat dynamic working well, because otherwise, you just you know ten times in a scenario you'll 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 mess up, and then oh, there's a there's a walker popped out in front of you. Okay, you've got to defeat it. And then, you know, you mess up again. Oh, another walker that you didn't see popped out in front of you. And, you know, so it takes, yeah, it, it takes, that mechanic isn't working. I'm not feeling it in the way I would have liked to feel it. Mm. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting the book. I am very much enjoying running the game. And I think the players are having a good time. So that's the key thing. But it does mean that... Um... On our first two bits of free league news, it's actually no news. It is merely um, uh, scuttlebutt and uh, rumor that these things are arriving for a lot of our people. Well, well, that that is the subtitle of our podcast, isn't it? No, (laughs) the effect podcast. podcast Scuttlebutt and rumor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, just generally, the the whole thing. Is maybe 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 we should have an episode called Scuttlebutt and Rumor, which is actually <laughs> actually meaningful news that we've managed to confirm and or, or, you know, Well, we have got some meaningful confirmed news in that <laughs> Free League have announced the Electric State RPG. They have. 
and we know it. nothing about it, do we? You know, <laughs> it's not like we can... I mean, obviously, it's based on uh, Simon Stalinhag's, I was going to say latest book, but I think it might be his latest but one. I think there might be another one, that, another art book he's done since then. But um, sort of set no longer in Sweden, set in America, and sort of set not in the 80s, but it looks to be like the 70s in terms of the artwork. I haven't actually got the book or, or read the text. So um, have you? No, I'm just having a quick look at the, the email that they sent out um, now, but it doesn't, doesn't say very much. No, it doesn't, does um, it? So obviously this is this is coming out kind of in in no well not ha- <clears throat> excuse me this is this is why I needed a second cup of tea but you wouldn't let me go and make one anyway um, this is uh, not coming out hand in hand but obviously in 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 loose parallel with motion picture um, of mm-hmm. the same thing starring uh-huh. apparently Millie Millie Bobby Brown and Chris Pratt um, mm-hmm. so this is quite a big this is quite a becoming it's a big IP. Or you know, mm. for, um, so quite, quite quick, quite quickly. Is that the right way of putting? It? I mean, I don't know how long Electric State's been a, been around. I mean, the artwork is definitely familiar, but it's it's obviously very familiar to Tales from the Loop. You could certainly the the bits of artwork I've seen here, you could probably just interpose that with Tales from the Loop, and you wouldn't know any different. Um, well, but it's as I say, from the from what I've seen on the internet, it looks more seventies than eighties to me, but still weird. Still robots, yeah. Still, um, you know, some stuff going on there. And Very similar. Generally, feel, a bit more run other, down, yeah. almost, almost post-apocalyptic in the way it looks as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. And of okay, course, so, <clears throat> so, so, I'd, I'd like just like to comment upon your um, your expert artistic eye, um, and say that in the text here it says, uh, in late nineteen ninety seven. Oh, 1997. A, run, a, run, a runaway teenager and a yellow toy robot travel west to a strange USA where the ruins of gigantic battle drones litter the countryside along with the discarded trash of a high-tech consumerist society in decline. As mm-hmm. their car nears the edge of the continent, the world outside the window seems to unravel at an ever faster pace as if somewhere beyond the horizon, the hollow core of civilization has finally caved in. So, late 90s. Late nineties. Uh, I'm very wrong on that, but the the, the cars do kind of look seventies. I'm looking at a picture now from from one of the spreads of the book. Um, the other interesting thing about it is, is yeah, um, it's uh, it's got a kind of. Um, oh, I'm guessing because it's coming out as a tie-in with a movie, it it has another name attached to it, and I can't remember the name of that other company, but. Um, so forget I even said it. Uh, Skybound. Skybound is the name of that. Skybound. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I guess Skybound is um, you know the licensing people that um, are behind the movie, or vice versa. Um, the ones that have taken the license. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, given that uh, Simon Stalinhag is so intimately connected with Free League, it was a bit of a surprise to see. But I guess with the fact that it's coming out as a kind of tie-in rpg it makes sense yeah i mean i mean yeah exactly maybe maybe the deal was that you know um the free league would get to make the game at the same time that the all the publicity and that for the movies coming out yeah um which will obviously be good so interestingly it's um it's being written by nils hintzer um obviously tales from the loop walking dead uh yeah superb superb writer um with obviously 
Thomas Nils Matthäus involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering whether I whether they're going to do something a little bit more. Um, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? Adventurous with the rules, maybe. Mm. So they say that it's the, it's the Year Zero engine, um, but I kind of wonder because it's got it's definitely got a reminiscent Tales from the Loop, Things from the Flood feel to it. Are they going to do something which is going to make it clearly different, put some clear air between those games and this one in terms of mm. the mechanics and the rules? I, I hope so, because otherwise you don't you, know, you don't just want to have it feel like a Tales from the Tales from the um, Tales from the Loop reskin. Mm. Um, so and put into what appears to be a bit of a post-apocalyptic world, but uh, yeah, I hope they do something a bit more imaginative with it. We shall have to wait and see. Maybe we can get somebody on board. Nils, maybe we've not interviewed yeah. him from Free League, have we? Um, and he can tell us some more about it. Yeah, we'll, I think that's we'll, a great idea. Let's we yeah, might let's open do that. that. Yeah, yeah, I'll drop a line to bowl so, and um yeah so this is coming up on kickstarter on december the 5th which is not that mm-hmm. long over not that weeks, long no three weeks just away. after so absolutely Dragon in fact right after dragon meat so yeah, yeah let's let's do that let's let's get somebody on and they can tell us all about it cool, cool. I'll drop a line to bowl on that regard um fiery angels is the other announcement and that is as i understand it on pre-order with an immediate i say immediate it may take some minutes uh pdf <laughs> uh uh one blade, of our, one of our patrons is very cross it yeah for blade runner for the blade runner rpg that's exactly yeah. what i was missing uh saying yeah uh yeah, so Bruce has already got it. He seems to be quite impressed by it. There's a bit of a tie-in with a, a Blade Runner RPG, uh, sorry, Blade Runner computer, first-person point-and-click type game that came out a few years ago. So it yeah. ties in with that, but he says in a way that it doesn't particularly matter how you ended that game. Um, so that sounds cool. cool. Um yeah, and that's available now for PDF. We will put a link in the show notes. Indeed. Cool. Yeah, I've kind of gone a bit cool on Blade Runner. I need I need to play it. I haven't yeah. played it yet. I've played so it, to... but you know I'm cool on it already uh, in that uh, uh, I... I, I'm not that interested in the core rulebook. Uh, I'm not in that interested in creating my own adventures, but I am kind of interested in playing in this second adventure. And I'm hoping Bruce will do an online version and I can um, bring my character out of retirement to hunt down um, mm. um, skin jobs. Uh, when I say retirement, I mean, you know, bringing back from the previous first adventure that we did. Uh, yeah, because obviously, obviously, retirement in Blade Runner means a whole new thing, doesn't it? You know, mm, yeah. <laughs> so you're coming back from the you're coming back from the dead, are you, with your character? <clears throat> um, um, no, but I mean, I, I definitely want to play it, and you know, Tony keeps talking about running it, so I might hold him to that. Try and twist his arm to get it, get it to the table. Right? Has he definitely got a game for this coming weekend when we're all meeting again? He's going to run L five R, yeah. He is going to run L five R. That's what, yeah. Um, cool, cool. Well, I'll let him do that cool. then. 
but you might have persuaded him to have Blade Runner instead, I was thinking, but no problem, no problem. Elf it's an option. Ideas. Well, I was, I was kind of thinking that a little bit as well, but, I, they, but then you said, oh, well, I'm not so keen, and then I don't know what Andy's view would be with Blade Runner. Yeah. I'll, I'll play it. I just don't see it as we a can, game I'd ever run, is the thing. Yeah. Um, well, we can mention uh, it and see. I don't want to cool. miss out on L5R, mind, but I wouldn't mind trying Blade Runner. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is a conversation, perhaps not for for the podcast. Yeah, this is a conversation to have with your brother, you with person, maybe with our personal between habit. now and next weekend. So he's got a bit of time to prep. <laughs> um, so help. other other news that's not free league related. I noticed that yet again, Invisible Sun is being kickstarted. So if you missed out on the what is it three hundred dollar black box of goodies, you can. Mm. You, you can get a new and improved version of the three hundred dollar black box of goodies, but this, like Blade Runner, is a game that I could never see myself running. I think I haven't even got it. Well, no, I, I think I have. I think I've got it on PDF because there was a right very good deal on Humble Bundle or something that brought the price down to a very reasonable thirty dollars or something. But um, but yeah, I, I've never had any inclination to run it. Um. And yeah, a big black box full of stuff. I remember when it came out in the first Kickstarter, they they said it was a game for grown ups, for time poor grown ups. Um, and I modify that a little bit. I think it's a time poor grown ups who've just bought or maybe even renting their first house, and they need to fill it with shit because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, if if you haven't got enough objects to get put on your shelves from a lifetime of nerdery and stuff, then here's a box full of stuff you can put on your shelves and make your you know really really own your new house, your new house. Get rid of the magnolia walls and, um, and yeah, put some of this shit out to to show how edgy it's... you are. Um, yeah. So yeah, I so guess I never, this is say so, yeah, so, so this is go something ahead. that's that's never never kind of got me it says you know, invisible sun never hooked me um i was never interested in it at the time when you were saying you know about the box and how expensive it was and how much fucking peripheral shit there was in it that um absolutely i have no space for peripheral shit in my house at all i have little enough space for the stuff i want to have let alone um yeah you know, any of that and then having just you know having had a, a glance at it the game itself didn't didn't ring any kind of exciting bells with me um, you know, it all looked a little bit, I don't know, deriv- derivative or just a bit too weird for the sake of being a bit weird, maybe. It is quite um, surreal, but um, yeah. you know, there are other surreal games I would more eagerly play, like um, Unknown Armies and stuff like that. Um, I Yeah. We've only See, I mean, got I, I, one lifetime, Dave. We yeah. don't I've need. never played it and I've I've never looked at it in great detail, so I could be totally wrong. But say that was just my impression of it when I first came across it. And then it never really encouraged me to delve any deeper. No, 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 absolutely. And I don't see much in the way of actual players or anything like that on 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 the um on on the intertubes. No, you you don't see it coming up a lot. I mean again, maybe it's just that I'm looking in the wrong place, but Yeah. Uh, maybe if I actually googled Invisible Sun uh, actual play, there may be thousands, but um, it's, it's not a thing I ever go near. 
Sorry, we're slightly slagging it off. I don't mean to sound so negative about it. I just thought it was interesting that the, this is like the third or fourth time they've done a new edition or a, a new Kickstarter for it. Yeah, it's so when was the last Kickstarter? It wasn't that long ago, was it? Oh, I, I can't remember exactly. Um, and, and I'm not going to look it up, but it's no, it feels no, to me but, like the first Kickstarter was in the lifetime of our podcast, which means it's only six or seven years ago. And yeah. um, and then there was a sort of uh, I think there was a it was more recent not a big black my, box my version. Theory. I think there was a slipcase version you could get. Uh, but I think there've been at least two big black box uh, versions and the slipcase, and now we've got another big black big black box you know how hard that is to say that's what you ought to say when you're doing your um <laughs> test rather than peter piper picked pe 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 peppers we ought to big be going big 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 black box big black box yes <laughs> uh, i'll try that next time yeah well okay. I, if we were an invisible sun podcast that is how we'd have to warm up for every single episode yeah peter piper uh, picked a big black box yes that is quite that is quite a tough one. anyway yes he then, um, he then looked at the 600 pages of core book material and went, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yes. And yeah. Shall we move on? I just want, I just want to mention Nightfall Games have uh, got a licensed Call of Cthulhu game. And this is called Musketeers versus Cthulhu. So um, vaguely interests me, but I don't play Call of Cthulhu, but you play Call of Cthulhu sometimes. Would you be interested in Musketeers mm. versus Cthulhu? Mm. No. no. So okay. I, every every time there's a yeah, everywhere you look, there's a Cthulhu book. Everywhere you look, there's something with Cthulhu mythos in it, and it's just like I mean, my, can we figure something new? Maybe. Why do we always have to fall back on Cthulhu stuff? Yes, so people like it, but there's fucking tons of it out there. You know, do we need more? And it's like let's do something different. Let's do something new. So Says every time the author of like, Cohors Cthulhu. I know, I know. <laughs> no. And I've, you know, and I'm really enjoying that. Um But but it's still I think, you know, it's it's still a thing. I mean, you know, I'm more than happy to work on it and I'm enjoying working on it. It's great. Uh but when you see like I mean, okay, in, in the defence of, of, of Modiphius, Akhtan Cthulhu and Cohor Cthulhu are part of a line which has been going for quite a long time. Yeah. Um now I think my eyes roll when I see something new, a bit like this. You know, it, it feels to me as if they've thought, well, we love Cthulhu. We want to do something with Cthulhu. What hasn't been done? And then they're scraping the bottom of the barrel to find something that hasn't been done. And they've gone, ha ha, Musketeers. Everyone loves Musketeers. Musketeers and Cthulhu. Great. That's a game. Crack on. And then uh, Pirates. Pirates and Cthulhu. Yeah, we haven't done that. And I don't know. Maybe I'm being uh, entirely unfair and grumpy on a Sunday morning when... Uh, you know, I've just finished a lovely holiday and I won't go into any other details. But um <laughs> Are we talking you know, about so the strange rash, Dave? <laughs> yes, my itchy rash. Um <laughs> anyway, too much too much hot tubbing, if anybody's interested. That's where it came from. Anyway, so um <laughs> You're a shit, you really are. <laughs> I'm going to save that bit. I'm going to edit that yes. bit out, and that will be the trailer for our next program. What? You're a shit. You really are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So anyway, I might be just being a bit grumpy, but still, when I see something new that's something and Cthulhu, I just think, do we need more? Do we need more? There's lots of so much out there. So, I mean, good luck to them and good luck to any Cthulhu fans who go, I like the sound of that. You know, crack on. Um, And and it it makes my eyes roll a little bit. Bear in mind, it's a Nightfall game that doesn't use their terrible 5S or whatever it's called. Um, S5S system. S5S, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. that, that's a win. Well, maybe, maybe we should encourage them then. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, so uh, you you briefly wanted to mention the work of a mate of yours uh, that we have briefly mentioned two or three times uh, before in the world of gaming, and that's Scoundrels of Brixton. Tell us a bit yeah. about that. No, I was just going to say... Um, uh, so a friend of mine, Jeff Jones, who's uh, like an indie publisher, he publishes a few bits and bobs. Um, he does a like a role-playing fanzine called Gary's Appendix, which is like on episode three has just come out and I had the chance to write some stuff for it, which is brilliant. Um, but he's done a game called, or a supplement, it's like, a, it's like an additional to any sort of sci-fi game you want to play, called Scoundrels of Brixton. And... When I first heard of it, I thought, hmm, Scandals of Brixton. Um, didn't I didn't immediately think sci-fi. But Brixton is a is a system in space, and that is where the 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 kind of the epicenter of the of of his setting um in the Scandals of Brixton is set. So I was just interested to see, I was looking over the um the recent N World um round roundup email that I get and saw that they reviewed they reviewed it. Um, oh, yeah. It's a very short review by Rob Wheland. But um, it's it's very positive. It says a lot of very nice things about it. Um, says that some of the idea behind it is, is quite good. It really brings it brings out the um, kind of the not not only the the idea of like the haves and the have nots, but actually sometimes you know they they rely upon each other or they need each other. Um, you know they can't entirely live without each other. Uh, you know, influencing their lives. Um, and then talked a bit about that this is setting up a system rather than loads of systems, but it's a great setup to allow you to go and have adventures and then come back to this as your core, where maybe your family lives or your friends live, and then you, you know, you've earned more money, you can then come and make their lives a bit better. So it's quite a short review, but it's, um, it, it's, it's very positive. And it talks about um, a great short resource for anyone who wants to add setting elements to their space exploration game that reflect worlds exploited by the powers that be. So, um, just wanted to give a shout out to Jeff. Congratulations, and on getting a really good review there. And um, we might hear more about Scoundrels of Brixton in future. I'm not sure I'm at liberty to say anything. Oh, right. Um, okay. I was, I was just noticing that um, the first part of Scoundrels of Brixton, SD1, Under a Hard Sun, is the first in a series. And there may be other ones penned by other authors, I'm guessing. Eh, hey, Dave? Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. <laughs> say no more say no more now i understand why you were so keen to mention a review because we don't normally review reviews on this program uh, no, no, but i just wanted to do a shout out because because jeff is a real pleasure to work with it's real I mean, i've worked on a few bits and bobs with him um <laughs> and still am other than other than you know anything to do with this yeah. and um he's just great fun to work with really good um creator um we have a good very much like the relationship you know I had with um, Gabe over uh, War Stories, 
really mm-hmm. good, really friendly, but you know, trusting each other enough to be able to push back on things that we think don't work or aren't very good. Um, and as an indie indie publisher, I have to say, you know, he is superb at um, paying, paying. Yeah, I was trying to find another way of putting it, but <laughs> fa- fast, honourable, um, accurate, just 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 how it should be for a, for a cool. freelance writer having someone like that. So he's a, an exemplar of a publisher and how they should handle and manage their their freelancers. So well, that is news you know. for a publisher of his size as well. I imagine because I, I imagine it's kind of a one man band a bit there. So that's really good to hear. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and one should point out, although you said it's multi-system, it was designed for the Cepheus system, which is a sort of open source version of Traveller. So it'll definitely work with Traveller and yeah. I think can be easily adapted to stuff like Mothership or I'm guessing yeah. even Alien. Um, but that adaptation would require a bit of work if you're if you're not using hexadecimal um, character sheets, I'm guessing. Right, shall we move on? Yeah. Have we got any other Ooh. items? Oh, I guess we should mention Comic-Con. Yes, let's mention Comic-Con. So, la- it wasn't last weekend, it was two weekends ago now, because in the meantime I've had a holiday. Um, yeah, we spent four action-packed days at Comic-Con, uh, MCM Comic-Con in London at the Excel, which is... I've only been there once before, and I'd forgotten how fucking huge it is. It's huge! God! Oh, my blimey. God, the just, XL is huge. Going, it's like a small city going, in itself. Just going to the car park to pick up stuff one trip and get back to the stand took about 20 minutes. Mm. It's like, yeah, bloody huge. Um, so, yeah, this is the first time that, that Free League had um, done a Comic-Con. Um, and the last. we <laughs> Probably the last, I suspect, yeah. So, I mean, we won't bore people with all the... Um, with everything that, that, that shenanigans, it, it wasn't terribly well set up for us. All the other role playing setups that were alongside us, um, we were in kind of the expensive half of the um, the setup, and uh, would probably have been a lot better off being in the cheap half. Going by all accounts, they did try and help the the, the organisers, but. Um, some of some of the help was a bit, well, should we just say unprofessional? Um, so yeah, we didn't do well on sales. I think it was interesting. There was a, we were really busy for most of the time. There was mm-hmm. I mean, the, the first hour of each day was a bit quiet because everyone was rushing in to go straight to the thing that they'd come for. So we were opposite the Locana Disney cards game thing, which I'd never heard of before. Before that, yes, you have, and that. No, I hadn't. Webcom has um, been talking that, about it on the Discord for some time, mate. Come on, come on. I know, but I, but it's like it's like it's all Greek to me, so I don't really <laughs> understand any of it. Um, so basically, the queue for that was filling up in about ten seconds. There was, I, I remember seeing on one of the mornings for some reason there was one one of the guards was slow at letting people through one of the doors, and one of the guys was like, one of the people, one of the visitors was like getting really angry with him, saying. People are getting in. I, I've got to get to where I'm, you know, wherever I'm going. I, I'm going to miss the queue. And he was really angry at this guard and then sprinted wherever he was going to, <laughs> you know, to do his thing. So that, that first hour, everyone was just going for what they'd come for and were going straight to those places to get in the queue for the games or sign up for whatever stuff. 
But then after that, we were, you know, it was really busy, really busy. And yes, the way in, I, a, the way in I, a strange sort well, of the way. way. I descri- the way I described it, though, yeah, there was a lot of curiosity, but not a lot of interest. And by that, I mean, people were seeing us and going, oh, we haven't heard of Free League. Let's go and talk to them. Um, and quite a few people had never heard of role-playing games, actually. Mm. Um, and so they were interested to hear what we were about, curious to hear what we were about, but weren't actually in, ever interested in buying anything. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we didn't do so well on sales uh, as we would have We liked. worked quite hard for many of the sales that we got. There were some people, I mean, mm. the placement of the stand was really, really, really bad. Um, uh, and... Uh, since I have studied the science of spatial dynamics, I can talk about this a, a bit, but it's bloody obvious. We were kind of down what I would call a blind alley, which is an alley where you go into, you can't see the way out. And instinctively, people don't go down there. So although uh, there were loads of people rushing past us, as you say, in that first hour, they weren't actually rushing past us. They were rushing past the entrance to our alleyway to get to their things or uh, straight across to Lorcano or whatever and I, to be honest I think most of the people that came down uh, what became known by us and our stallholders as Dead Alley uh, were probably lost um, also we mm. uh, and none of our stands uh, were on the map so if you know I, mm. I definitely said you know we'll be in stand I can't know what it was called. S one eight seven six or whatever it was. One 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 six zero eight. We were and we one six. We couldn't find yeah. it when we got there. We couldn't find it as well because they hadn't even marked it out. No. And then when they no. did finally tell us where we were, it didn't actually match the the, the setup map. Yeah. That they gave us. So it was all and, very. Strange. And we were, we weren't on the publicly available map at all. There was just a great big blue uh, box on top of where vaguely we and uh, 20 other people including Lorcana were on it was called the side quest zone and not very informative we had people we had actual Swedes wanting to bring their Swedish friends to the free league stand and not finding us until you know uh, day two or day three so uh, yeah the stand was in a terrible position but even so as you say when when we got people um, some of them were genuine that our very lovely patron uh, was there. Um, who's, uh, Jerry yeah. Turner. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry, thank you. Jerry, Jerry Turner. I just, Come on. just forgotten his name for a moment. Yeah, but, no, yeah, it's great, it's great to see there. Jerry, albeit briefly, yeah. And, you know, he bought friends and uh, we we sold him a supplement for Twilight 2000 and we sold his friend the corset for Twilight 2000 without mm-hmm. much effort at all, to be frank. they were They were eager to buy. But a lot of the other sales were after like twenty minutes of conversation. It was a hard, hard sell. Well, yeah, they and were I might ones, have they? Yeah. In, in in other circumstances, I might have tried to say, right, you know, we're all going to have to take more time off, um, otherwise, uh, you know, our wages aren't going to get covered by the sales. But but frankly, we couldn't. We were running demo games. The demo games were quite well supported, actually. I think because of that curiosity, yeah. we had. A lot of people who were kind of interested to sell. We had. I was really hoping that the demo gamers wouldn't just be RPGers, uh, or even, as I found at Essen, people that have already bought Dragon Meat on the Kickstarter but wanted to have a go. You know, um, uh, having a go playing it or whatever. This was people who were genuinely new to Dragon Bane and very often new to RPGs in general. 
so that that was yeah. a success. But that meant, of course, good. we could never go down to le- less than three people effectively on the stand. So I think it was expensive no, for very, three weeks, and we didn't yeah, sell the it games. It was very busy. It was, I mean, it was interesting. You know, very very few of the people who we talked to or who I talked to had come across free league before which is good mm-hmm. i guess we're sort of getting the message out yeah and a lot of people out. did and a lot of people did take more more than than um in other conventions a lot of people took um the catalogs with mm. the uh with the with the free league website on it so you never know there might be some subsidiary subsidiary sales to come which you know we won't be able to judge obviously but um, it was quite funny though most just about everyone who was who came up were, were 5e players as you'd expect i guess we did have one had one woman came up and was talking to her, and I said, um, "You know, so what 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 do you play then?" She went, "Oh, I play both games. I play Five E and Pathfinder." <laughs> like, oh, oh God! So there are more than two role playing games out there. Yeah, uh, you know. But but then again, there were some. So um, I on day three, obviously one of the big attractions to Comic Con this year was that the Critical Role crowd were going to be there. And on day three, I started talking to a group of obvious critters who are dressed up as critical role characters. And there's a lot of cosplay goes on at Comic-Con, which you might expect. What I didn't expect, though, was for uh, one of the young women in that party to talk about her love for Forbidden Lands and the fact that she's running Forbidden Lands. Mm -hmm. And she loves Forbidden Lands as a GM for all the reasons that I love it. She, She could almost have been a younger, far prettier and female version of me in the way she was uh, going on about the procedural nature of Forbidden Lands, the way you can, you know, you don't need to do any prep. You can just roll dice and end up having an adventure. She talked about the fact that they're meant to be doing the Ravenland campaign, but they're just having so much fun with the, with the random encounters that they haven't actually progressed very far through the uh, Ravenland campaign. So yeah, we could talk. It was great. It was really good having that. Sadly, I don't think I could sell her anything. Um, because she'd already got Forbidden Lands, but uh, yeah, but yeah, so it was a real mix of people. It was, I guess, great fun. I was very depressed after day one, where we, you know, I, we hardly sold anything. To be frank, well, I think our, over the course of the wor- weekend, our worst, our worst day ever. Our worst day ever was that Friday. Yeah, we've absolutely. never done as badly as that. Yeah, that was um, that was like you say that was a bit disheartening. Yeah, over Seeing the how course much effort of- we put in. Yeah, over the course of the three days, we sold about as much as we sell at Dragon Meat. Um, yeah, or even a bit less, actually. Well, yeah, actually considerably less, to be honest, or considerably yeah. less to what we sold at Dragon Meat last year, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So that's so it that's seems unlikely report. that Free League will want to go back next year. It's not impossible if, if Comic-Con are keen and genuinely keen to build up their role-playing side of their convention, then they'll need to do some, you know, they'll need to, they'll need to be some kissing going on for them to get Free League to come back. Yeah, I and I've got but, to say, actually, you know, that's, that's, not that's, just that's, Free that's, that's It's obviously up to them. Um, yeah. Yeah, go on. We, we, we have, we, we on, on, on day one, we... Um, we got Anna, who's our boss at Free League, to start um, explaining what it would take to get us back there to the organisers, and we'll see whether that has any effect. But I do just want to say what yeah. lovely people we gamed with, um, or not gamed with, with that we were neighbours to in the yes. in the zone, in the side quest zone. So we had Rowan Rook and okay. Deckard, 
Maz I can feel a segue Ma- coming. I can feel a segue yeah. coming. Segway. Segway alert. Behind us, uh, which was a bit of bad design in its own right, behind us, so not, not directly within sight, was the um, RPG Haven, who were a lovely Haven. crowd. Who's the, who's the guy from RPG Haven who was so funny? Gary. Gary Harper. Gary. So Gary, Gary, Har- Gary Harper runs brilliant. RPG Haven and was, was went, did almost everything he could to help us do better. Um, even including willing to give up some of his space so we could move our uh, move our stance, which didn't happen in the end for various reasons. But Gary was great. I mean, he tried so hard to help us. Um, yeah. You know, great, great gratitude and thanks to him. For, for doing and that. we had Soul Muppet next to us on one side, who are lovely, lovely people. I walked away with one of their yeah. um, uh, um, uh, guitar picks from their game that I bought. One of their, name I can't remember. One of their... One of their handbags, you could say. The, the sad, the no, the sad, the sad space cowboy game, which I've just orbital yeah. blues, orbital blues, orbital blues. <laughs> um, and uh, so they 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 were lovely people as well. And Segway, the wonderful, <laughs> wonderful uh, Annabelle from Modular Realms, who are our neighbours on the other side to us from Soul Muppet, yeah. um, which, um. We were going to inter- we were going to interview them during the event, but it has to be said that we were so tired at the end of every day that yeah. And in fact, this is where we should probably apologise to our listeners because they missed out on an episode two weeks ago. We were just too tired to record it. Our plan had been to record it around Comic Con, and we'd uh, fixed up with Annabelle that we might do an interview with her. But that Annabelle that that interview only happened when we'd all recovered last week. Yeah. Um, and it only happened with me because you were off recovering in um, in Wales, weren't you? So, uh, do you want to have was... a listen? See what I said? Yes, absolutely. Can't wait. So, in the hammam today, we've got a very special guest, somebody that we met because she had the stall next to us at Comic Con, and is absolutely lovely, <clears throat> and has got a brilliant product, which I'm desperate to talk about. So. Welcome, Annabelle from Modular Realms. Hey. Um, now, uh, as is traditional, we always ask all our guests the first time they've been on the show, and it is your first time. You, we won't ask you this again if you come on again for any special reason, a new product launch or anything. But Annabelle, please, could you tell us about your life in gaming? I mean, my life in gaming is pretty short. I first got into TTRPGs five years ago. Well, five years in August. So, right. yeah, pretty recent. I started, I mean, I guess as quite a few people did with D&D because mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons is the big one and podcasts and things make it easier to learn the rule systems. I So it started when I moved. So I moved abroad to New Zealand to do st- some of my studies. Mm. And I thought, all my friends in the UK are not tabletop nerds. And I thought, all right, new country, chance to make some new friends. Let's make some nerdy ones. All right. So, so I've got to ask, I've got to interrupt you. So how come there, there's you not being a tabletop nerd and in a social group that doesn't have tabletop nerds, what makes you go, right, I could, I'm re, remaking my life here in New Zealand, reinventing myself. I choose nerd. I mean, I've always kind of been a closet nerd. Like, I love fantasy books, sci-fi books. Well, 
my brand of sci-fi, which is, you know, Terry Pratchett-esque and all right. of that. So I've always loved that kind of genre. And yeah, I, I just sort of have been on the outskirts looking and going, oh, that looks cool. So it was a chance to kind of, yeah, new life. Let's give it a go. Cool. And man, love at first dice. Like, I, I don't know why I waited so long. And whereabouts in New Zealand were, were you living at the time? Auckland. Auckland, so right, yes. I moved to New Zealand. I was doing a PhD in medicinal chemistry, so Ooh. making antibiotics and things. And yeah, moved there to do my research, as it were, and started becoming a more, I would say, a more out there nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we've got a lot of listeners from New Zealand and um, Australia as well. So uh, that's good to hear. Hey. We, know, we know there's a thriving uh, uh, hobby hobby scene down there. Um, oh, so yeah. you found it quite easy to find to find fellow nerds yeah. and they were all playing D&D, I'm guessing? Yes. So I started through a university club and D&D was the one that we began with. I just sort of joined a random group. It was good fun. Um, our DM was, you know, I'm not sure if they were super into it, but it was enough that there's something about it when you start playing a game like a video game you get so far and then there's that wall of fog that you can't pass yeah yeah when when you're talking with npcs there's like a script yeah and when you start role-playing games and you can just interact and be free i mean yeah hella cool <laughs> yeah my phd is in gaming and actually i talk a lot about that wall of fog um but uh, I'm not going to talk much about my PhD since you had a proper one with science and everything. Um, but I never completed it, oh, so it right. doesn't technically count. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, and it's an interesting career change, but we'll follow that through. So other games then, in the last five years, what else have you enjoyed then if you started oh, with D&D? Started with D&D, Pathfinder also. Mm. I mean, very similar, but different rule system. Call of Cthulhu, like, <laughs> oh, the horror. Hmm. Yeah. For someone that doesn't like horror TV shows, horror RPGs are just. Yeah, I, I have theories on that, but I won't bore them with <laughs> you. But yeah, Call of Cthulhu is a good one and an old one as well. Being around mm -hmm. almost as long as D&D. Did you know it's the most popular role playing game in Japan? See, I did know that. I found that out like last year, and that just blows my mind. It does. Like, I mean, if you've ever seen a Call of Cthulhu book in Japan, it looks nothing like Western Call of Cthulhu books. It's all full of anime figures and and stuff. It's really? beautiful, beautiful artwork, but um, Ooh. but also um, end times sort of ish because because that's Call of Cthulhu. That's how it rocks. Oh yeah. Okay. So. Other games? Other games? I mean, outside of TTRPGs, Mysterium, mm -hmm. just, I don't know if you've ever played it, the one with cards and you have to sort of give visions through yeah. uh, sort of abstract pictures. Yeah. That one's great because I just love seeing how other people's minds work. <laughs> it, it, it's so interesting. Cool. And then, yeah. Uh, so uh, I am fascinated about what that interest in gaming from only five years ago uh, brought you to Modular Realms. And I've done a bit of research, actually. Hey! Because I, 
I I looked. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. But how did she get there? To there, and you've got a handy thing on your website that says our journey. Um, and uh, now, now actually, this isn't the thing. This isn't the thing. Somewhere on the website, it says it started as a crafting project, and I'm really intrigued to know uh, how. I'm I'm guessing what you wanted to do was start building three-dimensional landscapes for the games you were playing. But how did that come about? I mean, it started where I was... So I went from being a player to starting to run games for my friends. Mm. And then I want, I started with whiteboards, as so many of us do. But I wanted 3D-ness. So I started just, you know, making things out of cardboard and old yoga mats or whatever. And it was like an idea that I had where I wanted it to be magnetic and double-sided so I could carry it in my backpack and all of that. And I went to Google to buy it and it didn't exist. And it was really annoying. So mm. I decided, all right, I guess I'll make it. If it doesn't exist, um, you have to invent it. And were you still in New Zealand at this time? Yes. So at that point where I just started to come up with the idea, I was still PhDing. Mm -hmm. And then, so you know how every character needs a tragic backstory, apparently. Mm -hmm. My one was I've been studying and like working on this project on the side. And then I had a car accident, a bit of a brain injury, and I had to take time out of my PhD. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was interesting because I couldn't like watch TV. I couldn't read at the time, but I could do things with my hands. And I had that project that I wanted to work on. And suddenly a whole bunch of time. So oh. I started just doing Actually, it as a crafting project and do stuff like that. Yeah. Now, the other thing, the other fact, apart from Cthulhu being the uh, the biggest role playing game, the other fact that I learned when I was in New Zealand is they don't have motor insurance. Well, motor insurance isn't a legal requirement like, like it is yes. here. So, um, I, I, I don't want to get into the tragic backstory of this, but that. That, that immediately, when, when you say you had a motoring accident in in New Zealand, the first thing I'm thinking of is enormous fees, oh. hospitals and stuff like that. It must be quite oh, a traumatic yeah. time for you. It, it was a bit unfortunate because when I moved out there, you know, all my friends and family were on the other side of the world. Mm. And luckily, I had like the basicest insurance which basically meant that the other person's car was covered. Oh, right. So I didn't have to worry about paying out for that. My car was written off, sadly. Mm -hmm. um, and health insurance, we have they had the ACC, which is like an accident emergency thing, mm -hmm. that covered me for like, I want to say it was like eight weeks of rehab and neurophysio. And then once that money ran out, that was like... That was it. Ah, oh, you're on your own. <laughs> so it, it had its moments. So in this way, was this crafting a, a sort of therapy for you, a sort of occupational therapy? I think so, yeah. And like, Modular Realms is really quite personal to me in that way, that it started as a crafting project that became my rehab project that was like allowing me to still make things mm -hmm. and still do things that were cool even when I couldn't do other things. And like the more I made my terrain and the more I designed it and like, made it better or, or better for me it it just it felt like progress and it was something yeah very special to me actually in that way 
Cool. And I yeah. read on your website that you were able to use university's makerspace to... Um... Yes. Yes. So after I'd done as much as I could with like bits Carboard of old foam, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I went to the makerspace and they taught me how to do like 3D printing and stuff and CAD. So then I could start modeling it digitally. And oh boy, that that was like thrilling because you could start with an idea in the morning and you design it and then put it on to print at say 11 and then by lunchtime um sorry by leaving and going home you were holding your idea in your hand like something that was just an idea in the morning you're holding it in your hand you can feel it see what things need to be improved or changed it was magic like so brilliant. cool brilliant so this is obviously a great thing for you. Now, there's one, uh, what I think, when when your mum told me about it, actually, when, when I came to visit your stall, um, and I think she's obviously quite proud of you, and I, I yeah. she has every reason to be, because she's... I'm very proud of her. She had a couple of little magnets in her hand, and she said, look, mo <laughs> most of these things, they put the magnets on the side of the block, and she demonstrated that. But, of course, the problem then is... Blocks only fit one way or the other, depending on the polarity of the mm. magnets. And you've solved that. How did you do that? Oh, yeah. So when I was beginning, I had disc magnets and then you'd get north, south and repulsion. Mm -hmm. Super annoying. So I started like trying to work out ways that I could get the magnets to move so that they could auto rotate. Mm -hmm. And originally I came up with the idea of sphere magnets, but one of the problems I had then was because a sphere, when they touch each other, they've got a very small surface area. Right, yeah. So, so then there's not I started... much force holding exactly. them together. Yeah. Yeah, it drops off very quickly with distance. So then I started working in other shapes that could still rotate, but give me a much wider surface area. So mm. I get a stronger snap. And honestly, just tinkering away, like I, I really enjoy fiddling and tinkering with things. It makes okay, me very so, happy. So... <laughs> I, I'm I'm just um I'm kind of uh interested about time and uh, how long this was all taking. Five years ago you started. Uh mm -hmm. you'd gone cool. to do the research project for, for your PhD there. Yep. Then, then you had your accident. Then three and a half years ago. Three and a half then, years ago. Yes. So the brain injury and accident was three and a half years ago. Mm. And then I did the sort of project. It was a bit rubbishy and homemade over the, you know, July, August, September. October, I joined my university makerspace and I started 3D printing. Then November, December, I was getting better at it. January, enough people were asking to buy it that I was like, all right, let's work out how I would, you know, make it on a larger scale and sell it. And then... Let's see. February, I was writing the Kickstarter campaign. We were going to launch, and then COVID happened. Oh, I was just thinking there's, there's a terrible clash of timing here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so COVID happened, so I decided to put off the Kickstarter for a month or two. Right. Like, yeah. it, yeah. At the thinking COVID, it'll be over in a month or two, I imagine. Well, it, it was more that right do you remember right at the start of covid there was that whole ppe shortage and people couldn't get masks yeah. and things yes and i just spent all of my savings on a bunch of 3d printers oh god so i just decided to put the business on hold and start printing 
PPE. PPE. Yeah. And it was really kind of cool. There was like a whole bunch of like hobbyists, like small businesses, just homemakers. And we formed a sort of connection grouped up online. And then we started printing all the masks and things. Then DPD got involved and they would come and pick it up. And like it would all be sterilized, take it to the hospitals. So. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's really exciting, actually. I mean, I just sat around at home. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, it was kind of amazing to see everyone come together. It's like, you know, these things can be kind of gloomy sometimes, but seeing so many people working together just to help others, it, it, it was, you know, one of those real boost to the faith in humanity. Those banging of saucepan things that we did in this country. Well, <laughs> deserving of a banging of a saucepan. Not actually that we got much achieved without saucepan banging. Um, I mean, nurses didn't get any extra pay or anything like that. Uh, no, why would they need extra pay? You can just clap. <laughs> That'll pay the bills. So this is all still happening in New Zealand then? So then I was stuck in New Zealand. Yeah, because nobody was coming out or into New Zealand for yeah. months. Yeah. So, but the 3D printers I'd got delivered to my parents' house in the oh, UK. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so they were actually parents... doing the printing for you. You, you were doing the design and the file, the, yep. the CAD and files. Organisation. So, basically, I got involved with the organisation arm of a similar project in New Zealand with the health system there. Mm-hmm. And my mum did all the 3D printing and stuff. And yeah, bleaching and there's a whole bunch of work that she did. It was amazing for the uh, NHS in the UK. So we were both working on it, but with different groups on the other side of the globe. Oh, wow. Oh, that's even more. This is the best story ever. <laughs> okay. So COVID happens. You're you're in the PPE industry now. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then when, when when does that stop? When, when can you get back to... Uh, did you um, did you run a Kickstarter for Multitude of Realms in the yes. end? Yes. So in the end, I only had to put it off for like two months because it was really just that initial burst when the factories hadn't changed to making yeah. PPE and like the stockpiles weren't as stockpiled as they should have been and stuff. <laughs> but then it was like a mad scramble for the first, I want to say, six to eight weeks. And then thankfully we became obsolete as, yeah. you know, the actual proper PPE makers. Profit-making PPE makers started realizing exactly. there was money in this game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not and for us. But... certain members of the House of Lords who maybe should have announced that they owned companies. Anyway, we'll, mm. let's not get too mm-hmm. good. <laughs> uh, so, oh, right, so the demand for your, your 3D printers and, and their very important job for the community subsided and you're able to get back to the Kickstarter. And this is yes. what, in, in the middle of 2020, I'm guessing now, is it? Yes. Yeah. I think around May, I want to say, at that point, mm-hmm. April, May. So then I had a Kickstarter that allowed me just to make the first initial prototype, as it were, mm-hmm. which at that point was the magnets that had the north-south polarity. That right. was kind of crazy because I asked for $2,000 and got 40,000, which just blew my mind. <laughs> and it showed then, you the demand that there was. Those, those yeah. uh, col- um, I can't say colleagues, but I meant yeah. your fellow gamers in New Zealand who said, can I buy this, were obviously 
part of the yeah part of the gift market. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because back then I did not know what I was doing. Like all my graphics and things were made on Microsoft PowerPoint because that was how I knew how to edit photos. <laughs> so I'm looking but, at yeah. your Kickstarter page now, and is this one? Or have you done more than one Kickstarter project? I've done more than one. So I had my initial one in 2020. Right. Um, then I had a middle one that didn't actually work out where I'd like made this, I thought, really cool river system. And it was like kind of like my magnetic tiles. Well, same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, you could take it had water tiles and they could go around to make different rivers. You could take the water out and replace it with ice or replace it with lava right. and all that. But it turns out that a whole bunch of like TTRPGs happen in dungeons, not on the banks of rivers. No, so, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, fair point. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, it, dungeons it, is what want... people wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like once, like I realized what was going on. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yep, yep, I could have seen that coming. <laughs> so, I had like a sort of a few months to regroup. Then came with the second Kickstarter. And that was the one that allowed me to, um, through it, I raised enough to get the steel molds to do like proper injection molded pieces. And then I could do like the moving magnets. It was very exciting. Wow. And th was this the one that I'm seeing here in June 2021? That sounds about right. Uh, Magnetic reversible flat pack funded in three hours. I note with some yes. interest. Wow! Yes, that's the one. When it happens that quickly, you know you're on a good thing, don't you? Oh yeah, <laughs> that yeah, it blows yeah, blows my mind. Really <laughs> <much>. <laughs> this is all fabulous. You've got little houses, even I noticed. I didn't see those. Oh, that's the first Kickstarter. Oh, that's the oh, first yes. One. The first yeah. one is is funded in three hours. Yes, yeah. The second one, I asked for more money, so it took 12 hours. Um, I'm just going on Kickstarter now because I couldn't remember. Oh, wow. Obviously, you knew you wanted a good thing. I've got to ask at this point, have you patented your idea? Oh, man. I So everyone keeps going on at me because apparently I'm real bad at just, like, giving IP away. And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So um, I was told to IP the whole spinning magnets thing. Yeah. Cause... And I did do patent pending. Turns out patents cost a heck of a lot of money. Oh, right. And I like got the patent pending. I think I ended up spending, it must have been about six grand UK just to get that. Just to get that, yeah. And then we got to the point where I could register it in company, um, in different countries, but there was a sort of a gap between it definitely going through and maybe going through because, you know, people can raise challenges right, and you yes. have to counter challenge in that. But each counter challenge costs more money. And I was like, I don't really have a lot of money. <laughs> so oh. I ended up just being like, well, Sorry. I can't afford to keep reviewing this. So I let it sort of run out. That is it interesting, isn't it? But mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, so if um, the guys from Wizards of the Coast go, this is a brilliant idea, we, we do models as well, we can make a fortune out of this, will they be able to sue you for their idea that they stole off you? if they, Because they've got the money to do all that patent stuff, haven't they? Yes. Well, they certainly could try. 
and they could afford better lawyers than I could. But because my idea's been in the public domain now, they couldn't sue it because it's, you know. That's another advantage of doing it on Kickstarter, I guess, and it gets out there and and people see it. Uh, Yes, yeah. It was interesting with the whole patent things because I saw, like, last year, Epochtiles um, had the same ball magnet that um, that I did. You had no idea, yeah. Yeah, and they put patent pending. So I think they tried to patent the same thing I did, but, like, a year later. So I Mm. wonder if they've come into similar problems. I yeah. don't know. It's a tricky business. And just going back to that ball magnet thing and, and, and the lack of adhesion with those spherical magnets, one of the things I'm noticing here is not, not just little houses, but you know, you can build towers of this stuff so you can make it yes. properly three-dimensional. And that surely has to be about the strength of those magnets that you finally designed and had I manufactured. Think so. I've- I've been trying real hard to get magnets that are strong enough that I can build 3D and also have 3D that I can put all my minis on without it collapsing because that's just annoying. Yeah. And yeah. like getting that balance between the cost of the magnets and the strength. And I think I found the sweet spot, but I mean. I'm fascinated yeah. by this. Uh, absolutely fascinated by this. Um and, and I guess we ought to explain because this is an oral medium and you and I are talking about a thing and I've seen it in real life and I've, um, Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're looking at pictures of it now. We will put a link in the show notes, obviously to multiple terrain. Um, but, uh, there are all sorts of things I was impressed with. Shall, shall we start? Let's just imagine I have bought a, big variety pack of you you the biggest pack you sell um gotcha how does it come to be what when i unwrap the box as it comes in what do i find inside oh so the box itself is designed to look like a book and it has a magnetic clasp so you can store it on your bookshelf and which that, that... it's not designed to look like a book. it's designed to look like a tome of magic let's be let's be frank here yeah I mean, let's be real I, I wanted it to be a wizard spell book <laughs> <laughs> my my sort of plan my dream is that at some point as i release new terrain lines they'll all have new books so mm. i'll have a bookshelf just filled with what looks like all these cool like esoteric tomes of magic and things but they're actually just my terrain <laughs> Brilliant. And and then uh, opening up that lid, I get a number of pieces of this terrain. Oh, yeah. Generally flat tiles, I'm guessing. Yep. Um, so they're designed to be a quarter of an inch thick. So, you know, to fit with all the one inch grid things, all the tiles have are made in one inch increments. So we do right. one by one, two by two, three by three, two by mm. one, you know, for building. And then if you got a mixed pack, there'd be four different floor textures you could choose or you could have. So wood, flagstones, a sort of cracked stony thing. Well, depends how you paint it. And another one that's a sort of blank square, which honestly is my favourite because then you can use decals like just transfer paper. Yeah. Now I've seen some very nice sort of Arabic tile flooring uh, is what I'd call on your website. So you've you've done that ah, uh, the kind of blue ones. and white and mm. made, made, made me think of the Alhambra in um in granada uh 
and that's on those blank tiles. And something I wasn't sure, but can you can can I when I'm doing the order? Can I say I want all of this? Um, we're doing a Western game at the moment. Um, my co-host Dave and I. So let's say I want it all in wood, double-sided wood, all over wood, 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 wood. Can I can I order it like that ah. and get it delivered, or can I only get it in particular combinations? Yeah, they have to be different surfaces on both sides. Right. So basically, the way that it's made, the mould has one of each surface texture, so they all get made in even amounts. Right. So, and also, it turns out that like the more different combinations you do, the more expensive it gets because um, then yeah. you have to pay people to like think Fix the mold. more. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but you've done it so that I can order. Uh, stone backed with cracked stone or stone backed with wood yep. cool yes yeah wood with flagstone wood with plain wood with cracked the yeah yeah so you can get all different combinations and then cobble ones that i designed originally to be like street cobblestones yeah. and then as soon as i showed it to my friends they put it up on the side and were like oh you've made walls oh like, flint effectively like a flint wall in in sussex or something like that yeah yes and exactly now everybody that. from our listeners around the world who doesn't know what Sussex flint net walls look like are going to be confused <laughs> about that, but never mind. Frantically <laughs> Googling. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, yeah, it, and brilliant. And it comes unpainted. It can, so generally it comes unpainted, but I also have, you can buy, like I've got a commission paint thing. Oh, so, right. Yes, cool. where I'll paint it for people. And then I've like standard ways of painting it. But also I've had people email and say, hey, can you colour match it to this? Or can you paint it? I'm doing this kind of campaign. Can you make it look more sandy? Or mm. so and and uh, they're they're paying and you're doing that. You 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 don't have yeah. a, an army of children doing that for you. Well, I say an army no. of children. You, you, you yeah, you, you're doing it all yourself, is what I mean. You yes. haven't got an army of of terrain painters yet. No, just just me. So yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I think I've bitten off more than I can chew, but yeah, it's good fun. But but um, I, again, I'm, I'm looking at this and thinking um, you've got enough of workload to keep the money coming in. Yeah. But still enough or still little enough of a workload to allow you to be able to do this painting service and things like that. Yeah. So I I tend to work like... I tend to do, say, 70-hour weeks or something, right, so yeah. I, I do tend to work quite a lot. And then I use painting as my downtime. So uh -huh. then, yeah. It, it, yeah. So I, honestly, I'm sort of, I'm at that tricky stage where I'm like big enough that I'm struggling to keep up with everything, but small enough that I haven't like started employing other people. So I'm like just bridging that gap at the moment where are you getting it made yorkshire yorkshire yeah excellent north in england if, yeah i i really wanted it to be made in the uk because yeah. that's where i live now and where i was born and also it's just easier because then i can visit the factory I can see that how things are going. I know that workers are going to have proper rights compared to like outsourcing it somewhere cheaper. Yeah. I just, I feel more confident and like I can make sure things are working the way I'd like them to be. And this it's is because obviously I imagine 
Um, I imagine you've run some numbers on this. I'm sure it's more expensive to make it in England than it would be to outsource mm-hmm. it to China or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, you've got, I guess, uh, you know, a market. Well, we can see you've got the market that, uh, you know, that oh, have supported yeah. the Kickstarter and are, are buying this and are prepared to pay the price that it costs to have it made in England. So that's that's fabulous. Yeah, it, it's amazing. And, like, I've got to the point now, so... I have a whole bunch of like dreams of doing charity work in the future when like Modular Realms makes enough money for me to do that. But at the moment, we've got to the point where I'm now planting a tree with every order in managed woodland. And it's like, it's just, it just makes me happy. So like people do seem to even though I have all these like, some would say naive ideas about getting it made in the UK and planting Mm. trees and doing all these things like carbon neutral and that. Although we're not quite carbon neutral yet. Not at all, really, but aiming for it. But, and, yeah. and like people will pay for it. And it's really nice. This is brilliant. This is yeah. such a great story. I'm loving all of this. How did you find the manufacturer? What, what, oh. How did you go about looking for the right manufacturer? It took time. I'm not going to lie. That took quite a few months. Mm-hmm. So I started with Googling injection molding manufacturers. I also had to learn a whole bunch about injection molding manufacturing because there's a whole bunch of things talk about it with a bunch of men who suck their teeth at you (laughs) yes oh my gosh you would not believe the sexism you have well that i faced going through that it was yeah a lot of people i'm relatively immune from that sexism (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah, um so i started with google and also because i'd connected with the university startup studio which was next to the makerspace where i'd started creating terrain they sort of said oh we'll introduce you to so-and-so who introduces you to so-and-so who knows a factory here Mm -hmm. and it took a couple of rounds of going through that to find one that i was like yeah all right yeah i gel but but that was in new zealand that so i was still in new zealand whilst i was doing that so Actually, our first factory visit was my mum and dad who oh, right. get suckered into being, you know, voluntary stuff every now and then. <laughs> like they so, were at the stand at Comic-Con. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Incredibly supportive parents. Mm. Super supportive. So they actually did the first factory visit and drove up to Yorkshire, spoke to people, had a look around, you know. It was, yeah. And the rest of it was me just working remotely to organize these things brilliant well done i mean just just i'm just i'm just so impressed by this whole story Um, okay so uh now as i say you know i'm not a user of this sort of stuff but i urge Mm. we know there we do have on our discord our patron only discord uh there's a whole section on painting figures and terrain so i i know Mm. some of our listeners are definitely uh users of this um what are your ambitions for the future? What's what oh boy, <laughs> so many. I am one of those people that just is constantly plagued with ideas that I really want to get through. But for now, my sort of near future ideas is I really want to get the terrain to do even more modularity and more building. So mm-hmm. triangle pieces, because that's so useful when you're building things. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarter circle pieces and also I really want to do snap-on scenery because that just oh. makes so much sense to me and would be such a quick way to customize all your terrain you yeah know, you can just snap on so, the balcony or 
put little fireplaces in and things like that. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Windows, doors, like that you could just take the roof off, replace it with ramparts and then like stack it. And then suddenly it's a tower. And yeah, just making it really easy to customize. Brilliant. I think. Um, and obviously the, the big money is in fantasy settings because D and D, um, have you have you thought about i mean and, and and you also i guess you've got the plain side which i could paint like steel and plastic if i was doing a science mm. fiction one have you thought about maybe some science fiction industrial gratings it or things does, like that it does get asked of me so it probably won't be the next round of things i do but it's definitely on the cards in the future just because i get asked about it a lot mm. i was some of the terrain I've seen, so there's a sort of cracked surface and I've seen people paint it like the hull of a ship with like cracks and energy seeping through as if it's a damaged spaceship and things. Right, yeah. So I've seen people definitely paint the stuff I have. I've tried to make it not so specific that you couldn't customise it for your own games. No. So the same thing that was painted like the hull of a ship with the energy... I've also seen painted like lava or ice or, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I've definitely, and um, what was the other one? I've definitely seen another sci-fi one that was really good. I think that was using the decals. So they yeah. just use transfer paper to put like these really cool sci-fi yeah. themes down on them. Symbols and it was things really, like that, yeah. So yeah. actually it's a question I was going to ask is, um, obviously you've got a, a, a dedicated audience now who are probably coming back and doing repeat orders and building up their collections do do people share what they've what they've made out of out of your pieces out of your modular terrain they do so i see it one of the things i love about conventions is seeing people play with it in real time because i've seen like the first spiral staircases was like just someone playing with them in their hands and they just turned all these wall pieces into this beautiful spiral staircase. And I was like, well, that's an amazing idea. I'm taking that. Thank you. <laughs> but um, in, I also have a Discord and we have a building channel. Mm. So people share different things. They've done different builds, different paint jobs and things. And honestly, some people have done like just amazing things like turning what I had thought were going to be cobblestones or walls, turning them into like this sort of lavery waterfall effect going down the side. It's just, yeah, people's imaginations are wild. Brilliant. This is, yeah, I'm, I'm loving this. And um, it almost makes me want to start painting figures and, and putting them out there. <laughs> um, and I do have some figures. I, 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 I worked in a game shop uh, about a year uh, two years ago and uh they got me into playing a game called dead man's hand which is a cowboy game uh so <laughs> so yeah I, I was just thinking how this might be useful for, for some of that particularly when you can build the walls up um i'm loving it very much but but our time draws to a close i could talk to you for ages let's just touch on uh comic-con I'm sure Dave will have discussed, or Dave and I will have discussed in the rest of the program that will go around this interview, uh, mm -hmm. uh, our first thoughts about Comic-Con. Uh, can you name me three good things that happened to you at Comic-Con? Oh, my neighbours, 
the people that but we came were up your to neighbors and the chips <laughs> i know you're part of that like honestly you guys like my neighbors around me were the best thing about comic-con it was like every time i had a problem there were people with experience who were just friendly and willing to help honestly like yeah. i had my card reader go down someone immediately said oh i've got a spare and they came over and they were trying to get it set up on my phone someone else when it was super busy um offered Step to come in. over and yeah take yeah. over the stall so i could go eat some food or whatever like honestly it it was just such a wonderful community it, it, was. it was and so i've got funny. a shout out to rowan rook and deckard uh to uh, mm. soul muppet and who are the guys on the other side of you with the uh oh man i've forgotten oh, their gosh. name entirely so hi i'll have to, I'll have to yeah. double check double check i just remember that one of the guys had the most beautiful curly hair <laughs> he did he did and, and, and more of it than mine but his was grayer than mine i have to say mm -hmm. with some cockiness because <laughs> uh anyway that's that that's by the mm -hmm. by um right so we will obviously put a link to modular realms in your sh in our show notes we will put a link we I'll get you to send us any socials, maybe your Discord link if you let people come and join your Discord that way. Right. We'll put all that in there so people want to find out more about Modular Realms, they can. Otherwise, it's been brilliant talking to you, Annabelle. I Absolutely. thought this was going to be a fun story about something that, as I say, that we don't particularly do, but you were, you know, a great person to talk to at Comic-Con and I was looking forward to doing this. But you've just blown me away with this story. <laughs> uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> and more people should know it. Um, so yeah, everybody, if, if you've got a figure, get yourself some modular realm stuff and, uh, <laughs> and start putting it on that. It's great. Hey, oh, dude, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. So it's great hearing that. I'm really, really disappointed to have missed it. Cause, um, cause she is just lovely. Mm -hmm. Um, never met, met her before. Didn't know who she was, you know, when we first saw her on the Thursday, but she's just absolutely lovely person, and now having heard the story, wow! I mean, that's that's some <laughs> that's some journey she's been on, um, you know. And it's, you know, even more impressive considering the hardship she's uh, she's gone through to get where she is is today. And mm. you know, and for 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 free league, like um, you know, rolling with the punches of of a bad convention is 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 doable. It's not great, yeah, but it's doable. For, for someone like her, you know, an indie creator, small company, um, you know, it could be it could be a much bigger bigger impact. But yeah. um, no, it's an amazing story, really, really amazing. No, and it and it's a great product. And admittedly, it's not a product for the sort of games that you and I play, Dave. Uh, you know, we don't um, pace out our miniatures on on the floor plan of a, a dungeon so no. neither of us walked away with one of the lovely um, magical tomes full of tiles that she was selling on the day but although although there's ma there's magical wooden tomes where i very nearly bought one for a dice box they were really <laughs> nice i didn't in the end but um it was yeah i nearly did they're really really cool yeah no but uh, no we, we don't we don't play with figures anymore so it's not really for us but no. um yeah, you know, it it could work very well for for both role playing games, Five E and Pathfinder. Would be great. <laughs> yeah, the whole market's covered there. So uh, she's done. <laughs> uh, she's got, a, and I think you know there is an amazing potential market. One of the things that was fascinating was um, before the interview, uh, when I was describing it to my wife Sue, she said, 
oh, crikey, that sounds innovative. Has she patented it? And so I asked her. Um, mm. I rely on my wife to come up with the interview questions. Um, and <laughs> yeah. her, her answer to that, as you heard, which was uh, that it's really expensive to patent stuff, um, was fascinating. Right. I, you know, yeah. what was it? She spent about £6,000 just on the patent pending thing. And then to get the full patent, you've got to be prepared to defend it, you know, defend challenges legally. And she decided it just wasn't worth it. Um, yeah. She hadn't got enough money to pay the lawyers for that. So uh, it is interesting that small suppliers like that, even with an innovative idea like hers about the how the magnets work that join it all together, um, you know, could get uh, steamrolled by a great big company just nicking their ideas, having it all made in it China and... Um, it is a bit crap, actually, because basically mm. it means, you know, if you're a small creator, then you know, you've got no way of protecting your your intellectual yeah. property without, you know, mortgaging yourself to the to the hill. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hadn't realized it was so expensive. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, it's it, it's a bit distasteful, actually. I, I don't <laughs> like that at all. No. Well, I mean, I mm. guess it means that you own, you know, that, you know, this is a relatively niche product. If it was something that had a massive, massive production yeah. behind it, then obviously you could afford to patent it. But um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, I wish her the very best of luck and yes, um, me too. Success and in the future, and I hope look forward to bump. Look forward to yeah. seeing her in future con conventions. Absolutely. She did tell us she wasn't coming to Dragon Meet, but I think after the interview, she said there's a chance that she might at least come to Dragon Meet as a guest, if not be a stallholder there. Right. Uh, so we ah, may see cool. her at Dragon Meet, in which case... Yeah, that would be nice. It'll be good yeah. to see her. Right. Ooh. Are we done? Is it next week? No, is it is it time to talk oh. about the next episode? <clears throat> next time, yeah, exactly. Go on. So you, you have a whizzy idea, don't you? Which I think actually could be pretty good. I, I've got two whizzy ideas. Um, right, as soon as we've finished recording and I've uh, pushed out... Uh, an unedited version of this to our gold level patrons. I need to sit down and write an adventure for next weekend when um, you guys took a left turn the last time we played uh, Forbidden Lands and um, went totally off script uh, <laughs> and into now, that's something... The, that... That's the point there, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, that is the beauty of it. But this is something where we're heading into a mass combat in the way that... Um, that I've been really stuck for an adventure. I bought some mass combat rules off uh, for Forbidden Lands from drive through from the Free League Workshop community. I don't think they're going to cut it for for this adventure, uh, but I have got okay. some ideas, which I won't spoil now. But I'm going to be trying to work those ideas out, put them on a piece of paper um, this very afternoon, and then we're cool. going to be playing them next weekend. So if they're successful. We might talk about them. I might talk about them in the... Well, I'll, I'll present them and then you can talk about them in in the next episode. And in the other thing I time. think yeah. we might have lined up, although I've got to confirm it, um, is we may have an interview lined up about um, somebody who failed in their Kickstarter, unlike the lovely Annabelle, and the lessons learned from mm. failing in a Kickstarter. So... So one of those two things will definitely be happening in two weeks' time. Yeah. Cool. So um, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. 
and may the icons bless your adventures you have been listening to the effect podcast presented by fiction suit and the rpg gods music stars on a black sea used with permission of free league publishing